The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus spoke the following parable to some people who prided themselves on being virtuous and despised everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood there and said this prayer to himself. I thank you, God, that I am not grasping, unjust, adulterous like the rest of mankind, and particularly that I am not like this tax collector here. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes on all I get. The tax collector stood some distance away, not daring even to raise his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This man, I tell you, went home at rights again with God. The other did not. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. If you want an image of being humbled, like a little child, there it is. Prostrate before the altar. The only other time I've seen that is when I was getting ordained. <laughs> so, so that's a good image. Um, please, please have a seat. Uh, if, you, if you're comfortable that way, yeah. Um, okay, look, I just want to make some, some short comments. And, and part of my intention is that we would have a deep entry into the gospel, especially a story like this that we hear many times. Like, how many times have you heard this passage? 20, 30, 50? I guess it depends how many times you become a mass, or how often you read your Bible, which is often for some people. But, but, but the risk of Scripture, the risk with Jesus in general, is that we domesticate him. We sort of get the gist of what he says, and we don't really make eye contact with him and listen to him and let him pierce deeper, you know? So there's all sorts of shallow entries to Scripture, and then there's ways of depthing it. I'll just give one example, which I wasn't intending to do, and already I'm inflating my homily, but the feeding of the 5,000. What happened there? You know, what's the point? Is it just that they got together and they shared their little things and it was enough to go around? There are, we have what's called a low Christology, which I'm not at all disparaging, so please don't hear me saying that. I'm not saying low is bad, but there's, there's the surface. And if the surface of that story says, be generous and don't hoard stuff, that's wonderful. But frankly, we'd be robbing ourselves if we said, that's all the gospel's got to tell me because there's so many layers of messianic prophecy and Jesus kind of doing what Moses did and the bread that was in the, the high priest thing that only they could eat and he gives out 12, there's 12 baskets for the 12 apostles. There's so many layers of meaning there that we'd just be robbing ourselves to not push deeper every time we see it. This is one of those as well. So I want to say a few small things. One, this is not um, license to do evil. It's not permission to the wicked. Uh, it's not like, hey, hey, you guys who've got some um, edges in your moral life, yeah, you're good, just <laughs> keep at it, you know. No, this gospel is not that. Neither is it what we would call tall poppy syndrome in Australia, you know, like looking at the one who stands out as excellent and saying, hey, get, get down. <laughs> you don't belong up there. Get down here with the rest of us. It's not that either. Because, in fact, God dares to say, be perfect as, as I am perfect. And in another translation, it's be merciful as I'm merciful. So perfection immediately is something maybe different than what we originally think. But, but the commission is there nonetheless. God is calling us to the higher things. 
So if, if this gospel causes me to despise anyone, something's gone wrong. Something's gone wrong. We come here to this place as sinners, all in need of God's mercy, all in different ways, maybe in different seasons of our life to different degrees. But I think we are called to press forward, you know, whatever that means for each of us. And we know our hearts. You know, you might find that when you go to reconciliation, such a beautiful sacrament that we have available to us, you know, it's, it's the same one or two or three things that you, you continually rub up against. And that can be frustrating. But as one priest said to me, it would be far more concerning if every time you went to the sacrament, you had something different, <laughs> some different sin. Imagine that. That'd be far more concerning because you've got problems all over the shop. No, actually, all of us have our one or two or three growing edges, and we're going to keep brushing against them, which is, which is the moral life. Um, it's part of us hemming and pruning and slowly coming into whatever it is to flourish as a young Christian man or woman or, or person. Um, later in your walk so is that okay with regards to the to the pharisee and the and the tax collector one thing i pointed out to the community in gladstone is that if jesus wanted us to look down on either one of these people he wouldn't have called them both to be apostles paul is a pharisee matthew is a tax collector and there's all sorts of other people involved in his innermost crowd so look before we before we catalog people and say Here's the in crowd, there's the out crowd, here's the people I agree with, those are the people I'm happy to work with. Sorry, Jesus' crowd has all sorts of people in it, and we're right alongside them, okay? Good. So this story, and, and sorry, one last thing. This parable, and it is a parable, it's not a historical event, or at least we don't think it was, but Jesus is um, composing a story for the, for the people. But it's, it's typical of what a Pharisee might say, and if you have any doubts about that, Go and read Paul's letter, chapter 5, to the Galatians, where he says basically exactly what that Pharisee says. Um, if you're immoral in these areas, that's not indicative of the kingdom. You know, you can't take that stuff with you into God's kingdom. You're going to have to uh, sever that from your life somehow. But in, but in this parable, the God figure is elusive. You know, like where is God in that story? The Pharisee comes and prays. The tax collector comes and prays. We have to wait for Jesus, the commentator, to say that guy was right with God. Because there's no indication, you know what I mean? Like, um, only God sees God's self in that story. Um, whereas elsewhere, there's a figure who reveals something of God to us. Last week, we had the, um, the widow praying ceaselessly to the, to the unjust judge. And sometimes we make the mistake of thinking the judge is the God figure. No, he's an unjust judge. That's not God. Again, God is not in that one. Okay, anyway, so, so it's a beautiful gospel, and, and if it can strike us a little more deeply than it has in the past, give it that space and give it that time for Jesus to say whatever it is Jesus needs to say to each of us. But now we come, if it's okay, to the mystery of baptism, and it relates to this gospel. Why do we avail of baptism? Is it because we're, we're like, we're like the, the flags of moral excellence in the world? No. Hopefully, we, hopefully it helps, the grace of, of the sacrament. But, but do only perfect people get baptized? No. So why? To become part of a great exclusive club that gets a whole lot of privileges? I mean, the body of Christ gets some great stuff. But no, it's not to be part of a, an in-club. Jesus came and, and took flesh, and I mean that both figuratively and literally. Like the incarnation, sometimes we think the incarnation is here's God coming down into the muck of human existence. And sure, there's that element to it. 
but really, I often say this, and this is worth getting, getting in our minds, the incarnation is kind of like a shovel movement because God comes down, yes, but then he sweeps up all of humanity to himself and the trajectory goes back up again. He wants to actually raise humanity into divinity, not smush divinity down in, into the mundane. Not, not, not primarily, anyway. Um, so Jesus desires to take all of us, all of us here, all of us out there, all of us in Jamaica, all of us in Antarctica, if there are people there, everywhere, all flesh to himself. Um, he wants to be so intimately grafted with every single soul because he is the bridegroom of every soul. So he wants to be married with you and you and you and you and you, all of you. There's not going to be any marriage in heaven because, well, there's going to be one marriage, really. And it's all of us to Christ. Uh, it's the whole bride, which is the church, to the bridegroom. It's depicted beautifully in the book of Revelation. So that's why, is it one or two children who are getting baptized? Both of them? So you're going to go to Germany and you're going to have these beautiful little boys baptized, grafted into the body of Christ, a place of infinite safety and endurance. He's like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> and, and, and there's only one body that rises and it's his. So if we want to rise, which we do, we want to be in that body. Maybe for our last little meditation, you know, Jesus said, if you want to enter the kingdom, you might be able to finish this for me. What is it? You have to become like? You have to become like little children. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just glimpse for a moment the trust, the peace, the docility, the, the wonder. There's so much that the child itself, just, just glimpsing a child, it's a catechesis. You know? That is what we hope to be. And, and please, God, we don't grow away from it, but we grow deeper and deeper into that reality. Um, Jesus comes to gather us all up in his arms.